is the Football Supporters Federation Club Podcast of the Year 2017. Welcome to the Amber Nectar Podcast. Uh, welcome. Um, for the first time in quite a long time, I kind of have no running order or script or anything because I've genuinely no idea how this uh, sort of much trumpeted final Amber Nectar podcast is going to go and I kind of don't want to know how it's going to go because the whole point is is that we're we're stopping um, Les and Andy have, have had Amber Nectar as the, the, uh, probably the major part of their life certainly for the majority of the last 21 years um, it's only been part of mine for about 15 or so but even so we've we've kind of come to the conclusion that it's time to, to bring it all to an end and so we, we promised after the season finished that we would do a, an end of season podcast which we did on Monday and then a one of those sort of um, massive self-congratulatory um, podcasts um, at, uh, a few days later, and that's now, that's tonight. Podcast. I was going to count the number of expletives during the course of the next... I was going to say next hour. It's probably going to be the next couple of hours. This is going to be like the podcast equivalent of a Ken Dodd performance, whereby people think they're going to be getting into their taxis at half past nine, and then he's still on stage at 12. But, but who cares if YouTube or like, um, iTunes banners after this? It doesn't matter, does it? We might, that's the way to rage against the fading of the light, I think. <laughs> we've even like we've even, we've even established a, an actual dress code for all three of us, those of you watching on Periscope or later on uh, on YouTube. We're all in our ambernectar.org um, T-shirts, if you can see mine there. Um, what's the origin of these T-shirts? Why were they made? What did we What did we get these for? We were going to uh, sell them and try and raise some funds to pay the site. And, and we sold one to Chris Skelton, and that was about it, wasn't like, it? We sold a few, like like a lot of things. Um, we, we lost a box of the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the whole <laughs> box disappeared, didn't it? A good idea. <laughs> Ineptly... <laughs> Uh, carried out yes I know Chris Skelton uh, Brid Tiger from the forums I, I want to talk forum names of, of people tonight because the forums kind of get neglected <clears> that, um, that uh, as far as the, the uh, their part that they've played in the history of Ambernectra I mean ultimately Ambernectra when it went online was always going to be uh, um, based on the forums because there were very few articles back in those early days and with those articles that were written there wasn't um, the, the software available to put names on it and allow comments and everything else not, not compared to the, the site as we know it today so the forums became ultra important because although people a lot of people were under pseudonyms and a lot weren't um, it kind of allowed people's own opinions and personalities to come forward while still giving themselves an element of self-protection mm-hmm. if they needed it so so Chris Skelton, who now lives in Brentford um, and works, I think, for the NHS and has travelled the world several times. Does he? Does he? No, he's like a he's not automotive engineering. He designs. Like he did work for the NHS, didn't he? Who the am I NHS. thinking of? They work for the NHS. John Humphreys, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, Skelly works. Yeah, they're comparable. <laughs> they are. Well, we both know them. Um, yeah, he um, lives in Brentford. Uh, he certainly tra- camshafts. He, he's, like he, he certainly travelled the world mm. a few times. And, yeah, and a channel there, didn't he? Sorry, didn't get a channel, did he? No, no, but neither did I. Neither did Les. Right. Anyway, so Skelly was was uh, was Brid Tiger, and for many years the joke was, "Don't sit next to him at at City matches." Um, Anyway, look, here we are. Um, Twenty-one years, chaps. Sum it up, Andy. Drunk a lot of beer, haven't we? A lot of beer. What was your record? Sixty-five pints in one weekend in Carlisle, wasn't it? No, my my all-time record. I I was drinking with a Carlisle (laughs) fan who was quite quite capable. Um, and we had 66 units of alcohol until I eventually fell asleep in the garden of the hotel. Was 66 the, units? So that's about 33 pints then? If you, yeah, if you average out. Well, you would have been drinking vodka or Bacardi, wouldn't you? I was you? later on. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it was, uh, yeah, one good idea really, wasn't Be- it? Beyond the beer, what does Amber Nectar mean to you? 
It's just been a very good laugh, hasn't it? I think it's been it has been really good fun. It's been it's been nice that we've had a voice, and it's been even nicer that some people have uh, intermittently paid at least scant attention to that voice. I think it's been uh, certainly at varying times. It's been a good outlet for city fans as well. It's been a platform for city fans to to to, to make themselves heard because. It's weird to remember, isn't it? Like, remember the first Amber Nectar and the first few Amber Nectars? We had a letters page, <laughs> an actual letters page, and it's hard now to cast your mind back. And if you are, if you are under the age of thirty, listening to this, it's probably difficult to place yourself in that situation. But if you wanted to make your voice heard on City, you'd either have to hope that you got onto Radio Humberside to be. Um, to have to then converse with David Gibbons, which was never presumably an enjoyable enterprise. Or My ex-boss. He's an idiot. Um, or you would write to the Sports Mail, and a few days later, your letter might appear in there if it was sufficiently non-controversial. And that's that's where we were in the late 90s, and that's why I think fanzines and then forums that came along, it was all about people... Because football fans must have been itching to have a voice that... That to some extent we provided and the other fanzines provided and then the social media and the forums and everything and that it's all cascaded and it's all grown since since then but at the very start a lot of it was we wanted to say things but we also wanted other people to have a bit of a platform to say themselves yeah I think sometimes when our, our initial tagline used to be an uncensored forum for the Tiger Nation and I think a lot of people used to take that as would swear if we wanted to but it was actually saying you can say what the hell you like, and we don't really care if you disagree with us. Um, now, that doesn't always work in practice, does it? In the same way that, you know, you get some pubs become known for hipsters and some pubs become known for meths. And then you get pubs like the St John's where you get meths and hipsters and university professors and weed smokers and motorbikers. I don't think there's a more amber nectar word than meths. Possibly, yeah. Um, and And... And what sort of... That didn't really happen where people would write to us even if they disagreed with us. You know, then other fanzines came about. And other fanzines' websites came about. And other Mm. fanzines' website forums came about. And it sort of became the difference between drinking in Silver Cod, which was probably City Independent, or drinking in Three Tons, which might have been Amber Nectar, if I'm going to use that analogy at the time. And sort of people sort of moved towards those. And I've, mm. I have not always understood that. I mean, there's often been this oft-quoted thing on, on websites like Not 606, where they'll say Amber Nectar was cliquey. It was cliquey for a period because the, the forum was knackered and we couldn't admit new <laughs> members yeah. until we completely yeah. revamped the forums when we could be bothered. Um, which did take a while to be fair <laughs> but I actually disagree that we were cliquey it's just you have to accept that some places are for you and some places aren't mm. and if you didn't get the tone of the humour and the way and, and our sort of our flavour of city fandom that wasn't exclusionary that that <clears throat> was just that was, was what ours was yeah. about we lost a lot of people who turned up to say hi everybody I've just joined the forums and the guy who called himself Bill Baxter uh, on uh, the forums would reply with one word that began with C and only had four letters in it and a lot of well, people what? would just say that as well, oh this isn't for me and just well, left well, again fair enough perhaps that was a, a good <laughs> you know acid test you know the troll under the bridge that's deciding whether you go over the bridge or not um, 
because sometimes it was a bit rough and ready and, and you know people uh, have been talking today about what they loved about Manetta was the put downs you know where, the, where people would, would you know but it was all it was all done in fun and the only clique really was that he was a City fan and that's evidenced by the fact that people this week have been talking about how they met real life friends mm. because they met on Amber Nectar you know people like JR uh, well we met on the South Stand you know we, so well our, I met our, you our, two through Amber Nectar that's our, the point ours was a little bit different um, but you know sort of like JR and Skelly wouldn't be going watching football abroad if, if it was if they hadn't been brought together by Amber Nectar it's unlikely that Jim and Jodie McVeigh would be husband and wife with a child if it wasn't for Amber Nectar. So I don't think it was cliquey in that sense. The only clique was you just needed to be a City fan and you just needed to sort of understand the humour a little bit. Yeah, and communities just form, don't they? And they take on their own their own paths that none, we could never have plotted the path for Amber Nectar. It did its own thing in, in the same way that City Independent did. It, it always amused me. It's always amused us, hasn't it, that there was this weird rivalry between City and Amber uh, City Independent and Ambonetta. Yeah. When the truth is, we've been mates for 20 odd years. We played sat next football. to each other. Travelled to matches together, played in the same five a side team for something like 20 odd years. That team is still going. It, it is. You know, um, do you know what? That was, that was something I always thought was really, really funny that people just assumed that City Independent and, uh, and Ambonetta absolutely despised each other. And, and certainly from your point of view, Andy, as it, as it got years and years on, um, they were the guys you were going to games with home and away more than anybody else in yeah, the end. And to cricket as well. And and uh, I moved, ended up by, by chance, obviously, but moving three doors down from one of the uh, other city independent editors. So we'd go around and drink whiskey and watch cricket and what, curry. What other forums were there apart from those two? There was a. Vital uh, Hull. Hull City Mad. Hull City Mad, which sounds proper crazy. What was the forum like on the official site? Because in the early days well, of the official one. website, there was one, wasn't there? But it was really clumsy, wasn't it? Yeah. But, and, but also it attracts <coughs> the clientele that like official things, doesn't it? You know, your Bernard Nobles with his mm. goose eggs of this world. <laughs> and and that was never what we was about, was it? It was never about being sick of months to the club and, and obeying what they, you know, what some people considered you know, club edicts. It, it was about... It's been a little bit more knockabout. Mm. The forums. I want to talk about the forums just for a moment because there were there were. Um, I mean, gone are the days now. The forums have been neglected in the nicest possible way for quite a, a, a number of years now. People still go on them occasionally, but all three of our days would begin by having a look at the Ambedekter forums over breakfast, sure, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. And and mm. contributing to quite a lot of them, um, and the the. I would say there was a range of, of personalities on there and of course once people come out of behind the shell of their of their pseudonym and you get to know them you realize that everybody's actually pretty similar um, but but the the way that those forums worked was that you could get two people who you thought were genuinely alike having completely the opposite opinion on, on something city or indeed on the women who you shouldn't but you would thread you know it was um, and so be it and that's what that's what we wanted to do wasn't it we wanted everyone to come together and talk about City because we love talking about City mm. it stands to reason that other City fans like talking about City here's your opportunity and the forums were brilliant for about seven, eight, nine years they were, they were they were a big deal do you still fancy Julie Kirkbride who doesn't me it was um, I can't remember name. Hez Levine I had a thing for Hez Levine for a bit the did you put that on the forum though on the thread that might have that. This might be a revelation <laughs> exclusive to this evening. My wife isn't watching. Right. Okay. Yeah. The things have changed since those days, haven't they? In in so many ways. Um, what's your abiding memory of the forums, Les? In terms of of how popular they were and, and how much they contributed to 
Well, I mean, they were your forums. You could do what you liked with them, but how much they contributed to your everyday life as a City fan? I was fortunate that I had an employer that seemed to have no idea or didn't mind that I spent an inordinate amount of time uh, checking the forums um, using work computers. Different employer now. Um, <laughs> you, you couldn't, you know, nowadays you can check it on your phone. But but the other thing is as well is sadly, um, is Facebook and Twitter have killed forums, and it's a shame that they have because they're. If you think about it, there are, we're talking about clickiness, but there is that sort of collective that forms. Because the problem with Twitter and Facebook is, is, is any old dickhead can come and comment. You know, some Egyptian will come on and defend the Alums, even though he doesn't know who they are because they're Egyptian, or, you know, that kind of thing. Or a Leeds fan will come in, Leeds fan in peace, and all of that rubbish. And the, the great thing about the forums was, it was by and large just a bunch of city fans. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Scunthorpe fan and his. Alsatian. Um, <laughs> Silverback, so, bless so, him. So, so by and large... I hope he's all right, Silverback. He he, he, he was a good sport. And he, was, gave, and he gave as good as he got. He said, you know, it was quite niche. And, and perhaps that nicheness is what's been lost by social media. What was the name of the poet? Sorry, I know, but what's the name of the poet? The one who used to always go on about... Uh, yeah, he used to go on about playing the bandits all the time, didn't he? Some I hope great, he turns up tonight. There were some great posts that you just never actually knew who they were. No. Yeah, I never found you that. You know, some people again. we became friends with. I do not too, and it's like, oh, this, like, oh, who is that? Our mate Nick Whitehead, who was Batfink, he always said don't that he'd he... call you a mate, Matt. <laughs> well, I still get, I still get his, uh, I still get his annual uh, Merry Christmas text, um, which I bet you don't. But um, anyway, I, he, he, he was always I've seen him four days out of the last five. Months. He was always um, personally acquainted with with Wazikas, but he never would reveal who he uh, who he was. That's okay. It's an abiding little mystery. Um, I quite enjoy it. I, I, I quite enjoyed the fact that the forums required the effort to sign up, which was mm. in some respect a quality filter among just logging onto Facebook and um, talking shit. But. Which is I, what they were there for. I, yeah, I'm, I'm on the passing, but they didn't the world changes. They didn't editing, really, did they? Generally, just they sort of self-police. Trim out the, uh, the worst excesses every now and then. Yeah. We? We, we quite liked some of the worst excesses, and they got to stay. But and we, we did have to... Um, Steve employed a little bit of a trick where you couldn't type the word Jews. It auto-corrected to humans, um, because a, a former... No, I don't even want to say it. Former acquaintance of mine, um, yes. who claimed she was Jewish, who was actually the one posting a lot of the stuff, tried to get us the forum shut down for being anti-Semitic. Who do you think we are, Jeremy Corbyn? <gasps> the, the word, oh, the, the word moment. Thunder being so stolen. <laughs> I want to talk. About, I want to talk about Amber Nectar's genuine great achievements and something. And I, and I think because last year was the twentieth anniversary, and the three of us, mainly you two, but the three of us wrote a, a twenty great things that we've been. We think we've done or been associated with to do with City or, or to do with um, with Amber Nectar as, as an entity. Um, I think something that got slightly left behind, and it's something I want to talk about first was the way that everybody, and this was sort of our, I think probably our last sort of great year of the forums, really. The forums started to die about a year later. The way that everybody on Amber Nectar, to a man and woman, came together to fight the bubble thing with Huddersfield Town and West Yorkshire Police. And if you look back now, people who are going to look back at the forums for nostalgia reasons, have a look at the thread 
where it's announced that West Yorkshire Police are going to stop Hull City fans from travelling in traditional ways to the Huddersfield Town game, despite having absolutely no reason, whether it's criminal, logistical, whatever, to do so. And that thread is is the best of the Amber Nectar forums as far as City fans being there for the same reason coming together is concerned, Andy. Yeah, the, those those common cause, weren't there? So we would we would sometimes squabble pointlessly in um, in the miscellaneous part of the forums about whether or not um, this young upstart called David Cameron was worth a shot or not. But um, things like that, things like that, galvanised little little communities like ours, didn't they? The the, the the palpable injustice of what West Yorkshire Police wanted to do in um, bubbling us up, offering us one quarter of the customary allocation, and making us travel how they wanted. And and it you know it happened in a variety of ways. There was a long email thread that I was in with various other contributors to other forums as well, and um, the Football Sports Federation, um, even people from the club back in the days when the club were fighting us at every opportunity. So things like that are an example of how things like forums and online communities can can get stuff done. And we did. We did make a little contribution. Do you think that's a, the best example of Amber Nectar getting stuff done? The the book fight in the bubble gate because I think it was getting Vicky Peck to be misquoted. <laughs> <laughs> that was glorious. I think the crucial thing about the bubble gate thing is that although the Alums were in charge of the club back that back then, there'd only been rumblings about their intentions over the name change, mm-hmm. like like the change of the sign above the door, and actually not much else. Now, had this happened, say, a season later if the way that things had worked out that season meant that we played Huddersfield again and we'd been at war with the Alums fully at war with the Alums when this was announced by West Yorkshire Police do you think the appetite to change it would have still been there or do you think that we would have been sort of spreading ourselves too thin because we were having suddenly to fight two separate entities the ownership of our club and um, a, a, a police force 70 miles away I think you're probably right I think the preoccupation with the name change would have conquered all but it's, um, well, don't you find that instead of that, um, it became like members of the International Alliance who fought in the Spanish Civil War regrouped to fight in World War Two as the French Resistance. It was a little bit more... I've been watching the Das Boot sing- sequel, so that's why that, that's... I'm, I'm uh, struggling to find the connection so far, I must well, say. Okay, I, the, the point I'm getting is you had a group of people that were already organised and galvanised and had a... And, and had a a purpose and those people was able to quickly mobilise again to fight the name change I would argue that without Bubblegate the fight against the name change would never have been as well organised as it was yeah and that's absolutely right and I do think so we got the appetite for it you mean and the organisation I think crucially because there was a lot of people already coming to contact with each other over the West Yorkshire Police thing which happened in the March and April of 2013 and it was in the um, August, September of 2013 that the name change thing really started to become a thing. And because we had that organisation, we were all in touch with each other. And it was before a League Cup match against, I forget who, I want to say Hartlepool, but I'm not sure, in the um, August of 2013. The same people who had got hit up about the um, bubble, and it, it was a still unresolved issue then because West Yorkshire Police hadn't apologised and promised not to do it again by that point but we, we were already in touch and we already knew how to very quickly get together and try and get shit done and it's an interesting point it'd be a fascinating counterfactual would it if if West Yorkshire Police had just let us travel ordinarily to that that game what would Hull City be called now yeah 
Yeah, fair point. I mean, th- there is a big, there is one obvious difference in that when we did the bubble thing, we were fighting authorities. We were fighting government authorities in the shape of the police, and we had MPs on our side. Whereas Apart this, Carl Turner, who was yeah, absolutely yeah, fucking useless, yeah, and, and incompetent. But that's that's for a, that's for a possibly another podcast. Oh, what a shame! Uh, no, but but with the the name change, obviously, it was very much just challenging a man's a man's. Uh, alleged right to change the name of his business if he wished to, even though it wasn't necessarily entirely his business, uh, or at least had other people to, um, to to consider in doing so, but chose not to. But you're right. I think that there was that ap- there was that appetite after Bubblegate, especially yeah. when Bubblegate was successful, or at least partially successful. Even though we didn't, I mean, the three of us didn't go to the game in the end, but we went to Huddersfield. We took part in the march. We watched the game on the telly. Um, uh, in in a in a pub in the centre of Huddersfield, mm-hmm. and then you made your freedom of information requests, which showed just how spiteful and incompetent senior police officers were in their communications with each other when all of the shit hit the fan. Yep. Um, the one person Les will disagree with me probably a little bit on this but the one person I in hindsight felt a bit sorry for was Nick Thompson Nick Thompson because he took all the brickbats from us and every other supporter who was heavily involved in this and then when we got the freedom of information documentation through he was the one fighting our cause but wasn't allowed to say so at the time he could have got in touch what privately and and off the record you mean we we would have helped but he didn't and that's happened plenty of times before isn't it where we've, we've supported the club in certain things but not necessarily branded as Ambenecti I remember under Adam Pearson do you remember when the FA wanted to close Kempton <clears throat> yeah. because there's been a load of coin throwing um, and we went and met the FA and discussed it with them and it was successful that the fact that they didn't can you remember the name of the FA what, was he disciplinary commissioner or something like that we met him with Adam Pearson at, uh, in the fake wood panelled uh, suite at Boothbury Park can you remember his name Graham Bean Ah, that's interesting. It, he, there was a lot of him, wasn't there? Less something. No, there was a lot of him. We have to talk about, if we're talking about the name change, we have to talk about that meeting with Asim Allen. <laughs> you know, you know I, that, I, sit, I wasn't there, so I'm just going to sit back and relax along with everybody watching on Periscope. Do continue. But you know that sequence in Space 2001? No, already I don't, <laughs> I, I'm afraid. He was released in the 1960s, how can you not see well, it? Well, I was born in 1973, so how would I have seen it? science fiction film, what, what, have you never seen... Uh, I've seen a few Carry On films from the 1960s, does that help? You absolute infidel. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene in Space 1999 when they're in orbit of Jupiter and they come up against this obelisk that's been provided by an an, an alien civilization to sort of advance mankind. And there's this sort of like 20 to 30 minute segment of LSD inspired lights going by him and it's supposedly him becoming super revolved but you just leave you're just at the end of it thinking what um no i'm not i'm not talking about asam alam in terms of being a advanced alien or somebody who would get primates to smash each other's skulls in with bones Careful. but the entire thing was just utterly utterly bewildering i mean he spent an entire hour talking about prostate cancer and i think later on i thought is he talking about the fact that he's donated some money to a hospital but he never said it he just talked about prostates mm. for like an entire hour and everyone was just like utterly baffled I mean like he would say th- he kept saying the same thing over again <laughs> you could murder somebody at the KC Stadium and, and nobody would find out for six months <laughs> oh yeah that's funny um, and you know if you go to Derby County you can have a KFC oh, yeah. why is that a good thing and if you go to Coventry City <laughs> Coventry yeah if you go to Coventry City there's a Jaguar showroom and this is benefiting Coventry City and I remember putting my hand up like I was 
that school and said <laughs> they've been playing in Northampton for three years. I don't yeah. really think they've benefited benefited from it. Also, there was prolonged confusion over the uh, nationality of Samir Nasri. Yeah, yeah. But he thought Sammy Nasri was the best footballer on the planet, didn't he? Yeah, he did. If, if you want to talk about meeting the owners down the years, talk about um, FLC meetings as well, because they were they were genuinely a, a reason, f- a raison d'être for Amber Nectar, weren't they? Because the, uh, you both used to attend them regularly, and you weren't representing a particular stand of um, the the stadium. You were representing the the views of the fact. I mean, Mike Scott, who's watching this now on Periscope, used to put up a question. Oh, Stop tapping the pen. It's all right. You can have the pen top. I'll just tap it there instead. Um, <laughs> Mike Scott, who's watching us on Periscope, would put up a, a question about the community bus that used to park in the wrong place every <laughs> single month. I remember that. Did he not? Yeah, he absolutely did. Mike, it's good to have a cause. Don't listen to him. Did you ever ask the question about the bus? I'm, I'm, I oh, yeah, know. I'm on a multiple occasions. And, <laughs> do you know what the funny thing is? We used to get slagged off on certain forums. There was one, it was like called City Madden, so why are Amber Nectar on it? And it's like, actually, do you not read our minutes? Mm. Do you not? Because <clears throat> we always went first and second. So yes. we would, we would, you know, go on the forum and say, what do you want us to ask? And we would generally ask those questions. We would take it seriously. We would consider ourselves, you know, representing constituents and trying to get answers, whether the questions were about pre-season friendlies, Bill Holt's kids fake Burberry caps or um, you know the, the the plastic knives and forks that you got with your pies we genuinely took it seriously yeah um, even though there were some people the further you got around that table were just there to be there or to get a free packet of crisps um, which, which was a little bit weird um, but we you know we genuinely took it seriously and it, it always just struck me as odd that we got singled out as to why are they on it yeah, if they'd have really looked at what was going on on the forums, we took it really seriously and, and tried to get proper answers for the we, questions. We, we took it seriously enough, um, and I am proud of that. I think we did a good little turn um, around that. I think the FLC, to, to partly continue what you said, Matt, the, the FLC meeting sprang up from, I think, the meeting that we had with Adam Pearson and Graham Bean of the FA at Boothbury Park in 2000 and, I'm guessing, 2001. Um, and it was Adam Pearson's idea moving forward that he would do that, and um, I think we did. I, th- I think we did all right with that kind of thing. We did. We printed it all off. We we asked every single question, even if we th- we we were slightly cringing inside at what was being asked of us to ask. But it wasn't our job to implement quality control on the questions. It was. <laughs> <our job to laughs> ask. You know, what you asking that fella? It's not me asking the question. Yeah. <laughs> And was this to do with any prem mega draw? Mm. Possibly, possibly, right? Okay, um, okay. But, but I think I think it was a really good. It was a really good in institution that Adam Pearson had, and I think I think they worked well. And um, he deserves a lot of credit because he was easily the best chairman that we've ever had to deal with. Which was a question I was going to ask, but it's a fairly pointless question to ask. But I was going to ask also. Let's just re- reminisce about Les. Your meeting with Tom Belton, who was a if if my if I've got my chronology right, he was in charge of Hull City on the day that Amber Nectar was formed, and uh, therefore uh, and, and you went to meet him, and you went to meet him in a boozer on the marina. Yeah, tropical nights. Tropical nights with a K, as people might recall. Ooh. Yeah, Andy wasn't allowed to go because he was underage. <laughs> they're like they're like Templar knights that have gone to live in Benidorm. Um, Tom Belton was the prospective owner, wasn't he? We still had David Lloyd because we had front covers about Lloyd calling the people of Hull crap, right? And the tennis balls, etc. 
Yeah. Do you think? I mean, look, we, we can. We know how brilliant Adam Pearson was in the end. If Belton had been given the chance, though, do, do, do your gut instincts, knowing what you know now, twenty years later, do your gut and gut instincts say that Belton could have been as successful and as good a chairman or owner, or at least one that 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 did a good job? I mean, Adam Pearson was was unique in many ways. Uh, my but gut he, feeling is no. My gut feeling is that Adam Pearson had a flash of steel to him that was. Possibly needed. I know. I know he called you out once, didn't he, Les? Um, I think he had that. He, he was. He was. He was personable and nice, and I think he always took us seriously, and we respected him a lot. And I hope he had a bit of time for us, whether he did or not. But he had a ruthless streak. But he had a ruthless streak, and I do wonder if Tom Belton didn't have that because he got easily pushed aside, didn't he, by the Sheffield Steelers? Who you? I mean, the Bartlett Duffin thing was about. Sort of uh, uh, whatever mistakes they made, and heaven only knows they made loads, and nearly the club nearly went under as a result. It was difficult to say, certainly with Duffin, given how much he he was um, in front of camera, if you like, to, to talk about his passion for Hull City that he that he'd <coughs> developed as um, as chairman of the club. It's difficult to say that they didn't have the club's best interest in heart in, at some way. They, they just wanted to have their own best interest at heart at the same well, time. Well, they, they were an absolute kleptocracy, and and they are the worst owners we've ever had. The Steelers, yeah. Yeah, the for Steelers. All, for all of the problems that we've had with um, the Alums and Bartlett and Duffin, we, who, who I believe have enriched <coughs> themselves at the club's expense, but they didn't genuinely run. Well, we'll, we'll see. They might, we'll they see. might get that. Um, but they didn't genuinely asset strip the club, and that that's what what they did. Um, they yeah. enriched themselves. You know, at a time when the PFA were playing the players' wages, the club bought a bus from one of Inchliffe's company to enrich him. And you, and you just think, oh pounds for a rundown bus. And the other thing is that, despite all of the problems we've had with the Alums, one of them's never threatened to break my legs if I if I said anything bad about them in in three tons. Especially hilarious was the fact that there was an advisor with them that said that wasn't a threat, wasn't it? it was fairly unambiguous to me. Okay, yeah, absolutely loathsome. One of those those a stench, uh, kind of miasma of wickedness, especially. Like, Oh, that's I, good. I don't think Buchanan's dead now, um, but well, how's well, that? they were convicted company law criminals, and that's all you need to H- say, H- isn't H- it? Hinchliffe was, wasn't he? He was, he was the sock shop in the first year debacle of the late uh, <laughs> nineteen. It's true. It's, it's I know. It's just, it it's just a funny phrase. It, it, I tell you what, it shows how much absolute shit can be connected to City. I've got in my mind that I can remember the Fisher and Sock Shop were a thing, and that Hinchcliffe was uh, culpable in it all. Mm. I've no idea what he's up to anymore. I know Buchanan's dead, and um, and that's enough. My only, uh, it, I, I was working for Viking at the time and I was doing a Hull City game. It was the game when Steve Harper scored a hat trick, including a goal that clearly wasn't his. Oh, and at half time, I couldn't hear a thing because there was a problem with the phone line in the press box. Couldn't hear a thing to give a half time report. So I just went down the stairs and into the nearest quiet area I could find. And it turned out accidentally I was in the boardroom. And uh, one of. Um, Hinchcliffe or Buchanan I still don't know to this day which one it was but I know it was one of them um, threw me out mid-report he threw me out live on air Hinchcannon Hinchcannon <laughs> indeed um, managers this is for the periscopees as well um, in the 21 years that Amber Nectar has existed there have been quite a few managers and I've put together a shortlist for best and worst I want the periscopees to nominate their best and worst manager uh, for, of Hull City including head coaches but not including uh, caretaker managers or temporary football management consultants so Mike's got can't nomina- nominate Ian Dowie and then I'll ask these two from the best pick from Warren Joyce Brian Little Peter Taylor Phil Brown 
Steve Bruce and Marco Silva. From the worst, only three. <laughs> Surprising that it's only three, only really, three. isn't it? Yeah. Well, the others are people like Nigel Pearson and Nick Barnby and the current incumbents. Oh, okay. So we've got Mark Haightley, Jan Mulby, and Phil Parkinson for the worst. Now, best manager we've had, and I suppose you've got to come up with the distinction, Les, haven't you, between the best manager we've had and the most important manager we've had, because I suspect mm. the answers might be different. And also the most likeable, because... If I was to pick the manager that I loved the most, it's still Leonard Slutsky, the man who <laughs> patrolled a touchline looking like he was going to vomit a basketball. I still utterly... That's a phrase you used on stage when we picked up the podcast award and, 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 and people didn't get you, so they didn't laugh as much as they probably should have done. They just didn't get who Les was at was, the time. He was pissed talking about that. Fair point. Absolutely, massively pissed that night. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, Who's the best manager first, just in terms of management I talent? I think it is Steve Bruce. As much as his entire form in 2014-15 pissed me off, where we sacrificed Europe for nothing... And we managed to pretty meekly get relegated with a very expensively and quite talented um, side that irritated me. I, I still just sort of think he he built on the things Brown did. You know, he he might have had an easy draw, but he took us to a cup final, and mm-hmm. um, and also that year two thousand and. 13-14 as well as getting us to a cup final that that was a comfortable surviving in the Premier League you know we've been on the podcast we've been looking at 2008-2009 that was not a comfortable staying up it was a glorious magical opening few months of the season <clears throat> yeah. but the grind towards the end was horrible and you felt that we survived by default like a dehydrated marathon runner <laughs> um, whereas what we did in thirteen fourteen was we constantly swatted aside all of the teams around us and below us, mm. um, and that made it really comfortable. And, and yeah, and, and we beat Liverpool too. But it's probably better to beat those teams than it is to do flashy results like going to Arsenal and winning two one because that's what keeps you up. And also, despite his reservations of working for rehab, he still rectified that problem. I don't have a problem with somebody making a mistake. Managers are human. As long as, you know, they do something to rectify that mistake, and you can't say that Bruce didn't. Within a year, he had us back in the Premier League, and then he got to the point where he couldn't work with rehab anymore. But Bruce held the club together when it could have fallen apart a lot earlier than it it ultimately has done. Periscope, I think, has just voted for Phil Brown more than Steve Bruce. I get get that, because he broke the glass ceiling. Steve Bruce, uh, Phil Brown was the first one to give us footballing showbiz I think you can make a distinction there. I think it's one that you were making Les between best and most important if it's most important you can make a compelling case for Warren Joyce yeah. if most important season, definitely we've gone down that season there's, a, there's no guarantee we'd have ever come back in any in any shape to ever do anything ever again Yeah, but if we're looking at the context of Phil Brown then you've got to you've got to start talking about Peter Taylor because he put most of Phil Brown's squad together he did The thing about uh, and, and got two back to back promotions that were I mean, what I liked when we were at Richard Gardham's um, book launch last Saturday Mr. Choose, what I loved is that when Brendan was on the stage um, bringing on uh, Rich and, and the various ex-players, he made a point of bringing on three players who were all involved in those back-to-back promotions yeah. under Peter Taylor because those back-to-back promotions have been lost a little bit because Phil Brown then took us to the Premier League Breathe, man. And, and then Steve <laughs> Bruce took us to the FA Cup final but Peter Taylor's Peter, get- Ta- Peter Taylor's foundations 
it cannot be underestimated ever. True, and I th- the, the reason they get overlooked is because they Fashion are foundations um, <laughs> that other people built on. And if, if if that had been the pinnacle, if City had eventually um, exited the championship that we were in in two thousand and six seven by going down, we'd have looked upon Peter Taylor probably as by a distance the best manager that City have had in the modern era. It's the fact that people took his work and built upon it that means he gets overlooked, and that's harsh. But okay. I've always this is really unfair I've always been unfair to Peter Taylor and I know it and there's part of me always wants to I'd like to meet him and say I'm, I'm really sorry so that you can say who the fucking are you he's such a um, nice guy he's I'm, such I'm sure, a nice fella I'm sure he is the thing about Peter Taylor is I wish we'd won a title when we had title winning teams oh you're turning yeah. into Tony Dutton now oh, I, I, I think wish we did it's a, it is a regret of mine it's, it's a regret now it's a minor one and I do think that he gets he deserves a huge weight of credit because we were a failing club and we had been for a long time. And that day at Yeovil is probably still top five material for me because we'd not had a promotion in 19 years. We'd not tasted any real success for so very, very long that he brought that back and he started things and we could never see how far they would get. We never knew that right. we never knew at Yeovil we were going to get to Europe <laughs> la- later on, but he started things. I, th- I still think most important, you're probably looking maybe Warren Joy's best. I think it probably is for the duration he did it over, Steve Bruce. My, my, I, I think the, the distinction between best and most important is real. And I think it should be made. And I think our best manager was Steve Bruce. And I think our most important manager in the last 21 years um, was Warren Joyce. I I do feel it's harsh on Phil Brown, who gave us the showbiz in the Premier League. And I do feel it's harsh on Peter Taylor, who finally gave us something to celebrate after years of having literally nothing to celebrate. Uh, Nobody's mentioned Brian Little or Marco Silva, which I put on that shortlist. Little getting us into the playoffs when players were training on traffic islands, I think, must not be underestimated. Although we didn't win those playoffs. And I think we need to talk about one of the very first Amber Nectar interviews <laughs> yes. where you weren't allowed to go home yeah oh. where where we thought oh, this is great we're going to meet Brian Little we're going to talk to him at the uh, university sort of training grounds of City and we might get half an hour of his time he would not shut up and the thing is we was like young lads thinking we can't tell Brian Little we're going home for no. Finder's crispy pancakes <laughs> and say yeah whatever he'd been a Premier League manager when we were growing up so we just let him talk and talk and talk and talk. and he was brilliant because he was talking about his career at Villa he was talking about playing for England it was absolutely amazing he only played for England for 25 minutes maybe but he talked about it he had a story didn't for he? 45 minutes <laughs> and and he, he talked about his England career lo- longer than he played for England and I, and I presumed he'd just his wife hated him and didn't want him <laughs> I do think if it's any consolation to to, to, to Brian Little followers and, and this might be harsh on on um, on Warren Joyce and certainly on Nick Barnby I do think the last 21 years Brian Little was probably the harshest sacking uh, as far as city managers are so, concerned some, something that somebody's alluded to in a different way is why would you have Marco Silva on there um I don't know. I, I put him on there because I. You fancy him? Because when he took it's over, when we took over, he was. Uh, when we took over, we were clearly being relegated. We still got relegated, but he took us within two games of 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 staying up in a way that I don't think anybody else could. And I think also he went into that job under so much pressure because he was being slaughtered by no now um, pundits. Just, um, just call him Paul Merton. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, but he was. But uh, uh, we we felt we were given no. We, he was given no chance, and we were given no chance just because some bell end who's who's got the IQ of a bucket of water on on Sky Sports has not heard of him. 
Um, and uh, Marco Silva, if he kept us up, that would have been miraculous. I know he didn't, but he was close. I mean, another another appointment could have still taken us down with half a dozen games to go. There's always part of me that thinks Marco Silva, having got us to where we were, should have kept us up. If we'd have beaten Sunderland, we probably would have stayed up. Yeah, and we were. And we were rancid back there. And that makes that's, Ed's that didn't that, work. <laughs> that, that will always necessarily discolour his legacy. I, I get why you've included him, but I don't think I think I, I think he's above Barnby and Pearson. Nigel Pearson did a very very good stabilisation job, and I do I get I get I, he did a good not, job, but he wasn't he wasn't in a position because the club wasn't in a position for Pearson to do anything other than keep the club basically afloat he wasn't Fine, in a position to do anything else that's, that's okay but he's not going to be judged as a great manager just for keeping a club alive no, but like, okay. to borrow to borrow for his Alezis, Nigel Pearson's body of work was a good one we, we could have we could have gone straight through the championship straight into League 8 or whatever the hell it is um, <laughs> Series Z <laughs> but Nigel Pearson identified the flaws remedied them one by one it was mm. quite it was quite interesting to watch a manager with a long term plan yeah it was like management it. Lego wasn't it or yeah. sexy Tetris just, right, just on, the, on, the, on the worst manager looking at the Periscope um, response Haitley by some distance but Mulby got quite a few votes I didn't see a single one for Phil Parkinson which pleases me because he's the only one out of those three I know Les has got a, a little bit of sympathy for Mark Haitley and I mean that genuinely I know you have got some sympathy for Mark Haitley but out of those three Phil Parkinson is the only one I think you can't cast as any kind of villain he was just the wrong appointment at the wrong time and he signed Ricketts, Marnie and Turner Phil Parkinson was the right appointment at the wrong time I think it came a year or two too early in his career and the elevation that he'd had from a couple of years at Colchester to then at a club that had big dreams at the time I know we'd not been in the Premier League Colchester had been in the Championship as, as we now True. call it longer than we had when we appointed Phil Parkins we'd only been back for a year I get that but Colchester were playing at Layer Road which I always loved but was which held six and a half apart from when it held games yeah. Yeah, yeah, when it held games yeah when it didn't get postponed <laughs> with an hour to go but you know or when we got beat 5-1 we were, we were looking thanks up, to Chris Oluma and they were looking to survive and I I feel for, for Parkinson in some ways because I don't think he got any support in the dressing room from City City's All right, I'll see I, I, don't, I don't have a soup son of ill will towards Phil Parkinson and he's come across well since and if you read Rich Garden's book it's the first interview I've ever read or heard or anything about uh, from Phil Parkinson about his time at City he comes across really really well and quite humble about everything and acknowledging yeah. that he would probably fell a bit too short it was um, the right appointment they are when, he, when, he came, when he came as manager we were excited we the, thought the question, we've got a bright new thing this is exactly the kind of path we want City to take a bright new manager doing well at a small club bring him up don't just get any old Tom Dick and Nobed who's just <laughs> Trod water at every single club. Yeah, Colin Wanker. And he was the do right you, appointment. I wish it had worked. The, the question then is who's the biggest villain in City's um, 21 year hit? Mark Haightley or Jan Mulby? Mulby was an actual manager who was out of his depth. He signed Ashby he Elliott, Stuart Green. I think it was down to his ego. He shouldn't yeah. have been. But he did create a platform which subsequent managers took yeah. advantage of. I know buying, as Mike Scott once wrote in an article about Ian Ashby, you know, signing a, you know, a, a what looked like a journeyman player from Cambridge, Cambridge United's left back. He put it as doesn't yeah. doesn't you know it isn't isn't the type of step that you think's going to propel you into the Premier League, but that, that's essentially what it did. Somebody's just put Dolan on there, by the way. Dolan predates Ambernex, and mercifully, otherwise we'd be only, here for another couple just, of hours. Only just, yeah, yeah. he still does though, mercifully. Do, Dolan predates Ambernex by so little that one of your ideas for Ambernex's title was going to be Terry Dolan's P forty five, and we had a cartoon on the back page which was <laughs> yeah. called Meanwhile. 
like the McAlpine was it was about Terry Dolan's continued adventures as the reserve manager of <coughs> Huddersfield Town. Yeah. Um, a, a word on so a word on Mulby and a word on Hately. What comparison can you make between those two apart from that they both failed? Mulby was at least a manager, and again, it wasn't the wrong it wasn't the wrong thing to <laughs> he do. He was a manager. <laughs> but when he came, he'd done. He'd done. He, he looked like he was a progressive young manager, didn't he? Yeah. He'd done well with a with a small club, Kidderminster. And I remember when uh, he came in, and we was what we, we were getting hammered at home. Was it Luton? And he made a double sub in the, the first half. I thought, oh, is a is a no nonsense kind of guy. This is what this pampered uh, set of babies need. And I, 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 it wasn't until the next season when it became apparent that he was out of his depth that. It clearly was the wrong one, wrong thing to do. Hitley, on the other hand, was stupid, lazy, arrogant, and yet, Les, totally you have an element of sympathy with Hayley, don't you? Only a little bit, only because he had he had David Lloyd as an employer, and his intermediary, you know, immediate line manager was fucking Tim Albanian prison HIV treatment will be. Um, but it, so so it's not much it's a scintilla of sympathy um, he was massively frigging deluded about his own ability as a footballer at that point because he was dreadful pretty yeah, much every uh, time he played for City I thought he was overrated as a player even at his peak because um, he was injured all season then all of a sudden was fit for the Newcastle League Cup title uh, yeah. just you know right. but yeah I remember writing an article for the Green Sports Mail saying it's pointless sacking Haley if you've still got those hoons owning the club. The fortunate thing was, everything changed and Hayley was sealed in an iron ball and fired up the sun and we <laughs> What also, a lovely phrase, which I was going to use of those. I use it regularly. Later on, Phelan who got the job because Steve Bruce left and, and it was Mike Phelan who who took the, who had the squad when they went on that pre-season tour and Curtis Davis took that famous selfie photograph of him and the other players where there was only nine of them, literally the only players that we had. Um, I mean, Mike Phelan was sacked in the January after we lost at West Brom on uh, at New Year, and and when he was fired, there was enormous amount of sympathy for Mike Phelan. While at the same time thinking, absolutely right. Yeah, it was. It was. And Adkins, Adkins has done better than Phelan, but there's a, there's an element of similarity in that Adkins has got nothing to work with, and Phelan had nothing Phelan to work with. It hasn't hurt him at all has it but it's just been I'm reappointed quite, Man United assistant manager exactly, today hasn't I'm it quite, I'm quite pleased about that it hasn't hurt him that's because a it, massive of a promotion I feel but well, perhaps, it's but, the job but, he used to have he, when he was with Ferguson but he also didn't deserve to have the situation he took over he was, pr- he was perhaps stupid to take it but that's the, that's the thing about football managers is to be a football manager you've got to be cocky and confident of your own ability yeah. I, you know, I often liken it to um battered wife who thinks she'll tame the next bad boy that comes around you know okay you, you're gonna get choked all right but, uh, back, back, back to peri back to periscope then um pick us we're going to pick a try and our best we'll, we'll, it's not going to be a starting 11 it's going to be a starting 50 or something but we're going to try and pick a starting 11 from the last 21 years from you goalkeepers please I'm guessing even though we've had a, a few decent keepers in the last 21 years I'm guessing there's only one candidate isn't oh, there? Quality or there is only one relative candidate. quality well, or... I'm having a team of Justin Whittle so I'm having Justin Whittle at number one oh, I wish I quality goalkeeper Justin the best the best goalkeeper don't be pricks on the final day um, we've the... had 21 years being pricks fair point Metho pricks so I, I mean 
Myhill's the obvious one, isn't he? Yes, he is. I mean, who are the other candidates? We have had other goalkeepers. You throw in Muscle White, you throw in Steve Willow for his longevity. Um, and fighting and, off half of Northern uh, Ireland. And, <laughs> yeah. And also, in more recent times, Alan McGregor had a good couple of years, although a I couple of really bad years. His I, sending off for Rangers the other week was hilarious. Really I love it? Alan McGregor because he's a nutcase and because he just kicked that... Uh, Sergio Leite oh bollocks <laughs> Sergio Leite was the only City player I ever remember who wore those sock tags with numbers on for City first kit so reference of the night so is my hill our goalkeeper yeah. right so let's try uh, our best to come up with a right back we have candidates real candidates well you tell us these candidates well Ricketts, I'm, I'm Ricketts and Rossinia immediately lead to mind but if we're talking over Rickett, if I we're talking think. great escape season though given how good that defence was then there's a there's a whoever was played because all of them played right back at some point I think Mike Edwards and Mark Greaves were right back the most that season just in terms of the the, the, the significance Rossini. of their season Ricketts from all Rossinia are you saying because he talks and they does that mean I get the casting vote you said Rossinia and, and you're saying Ricketts I'll take uh, okay well I would put Ricketts over Rossinia I think Ricketts was more successful and played at the higher level for longer. Rossini never played in the, uh, didn't play as much in the uh, Premier League I think for Ricketts, us. Ricketts play left back as well. Left, well, <laughs> we can't have him at left back. We've got Andy so Dawson. Ricketts senior. <laughs> Andy Dawson <laughs> is is again ten, ten years at Hull City speaks for itself, doesn't it, Les? Yeah. Andy, is that Andy Robertson? Well, yeah, the Robert, Robert Robertson is the obvious. Robertson did two, he's, three he's, years with us. Robertson is the player who's akin to Stuart Pearson, where you judge him based on more what he's done since he mm. left the club for a bigger club. <laughs> Roland Edge! <laughs> Yeah. But I think we might get to fights when it comes to centre backs. Centre backs, pick two. Justin Whittle. I fucking. Yeah, we're I'll Justin go with Whittle. Justin Whittle. Pick one more. James Chester, I Michael mean, Turner, Wayne Brown. I mean, I, I think you're going to go Chester Ian Goodison. versus Turner. And I love Ian Goodison. But Chester versus Turner on its own. John Whitney. You know, that is this can't. You, you should, we, should, we should fight each other with chainsaws. So what are you going for? I'll let you two decide, but you, we've all gone for Whittle. One more. I'm going to go for not not. I'm going to go for Michael Turner, who Les. really looked the absolute fucking real deal. For Don't give us Jobbo. We're going on like Jobbo. Tw- Twenty-one, 21 years. years. That's all. So ni- <laughs> ninety-eight onwards. But we're Jobbo got it, and we're not picking Neil Whitworth either. I would maybe go Chester over Turner. So that means I cast vote again. I'm with Les on this one. I'm going to go for Chester. Is it because he looks like Kate Abdo? No, it could entirely be that. Right, we need a four-man midfield. Now you can play. It's up to you. You can have right midfield or left midfield, or you can have wingers. We'll start with the wide players, though. Stuart, Stuart Elliott, Elliott wide on the left is, I'm, I'm guessing, a given. Um, can Jared I? Jared Byrne on the right. Cool. Oh, um, he's only gone two, and he's been in two seasons, but I've got. I think he's the absolute real deal. Uh, I've got all sorts in mind for this, but cool. probably not. Uh, no, I'll get laughed at because I always do. But Excellent. I've got I've got Jason Price in mind. No. I've got Richard Garcia in mind. No. I've got no. Matt. Stop doing right back to <laughs> I've got Jason Price in mind. I've got Richard Garcia in mind. Um, I've now forgotten who the third one was. Where the candidates all but Jared Bowen? Oh, Elmo. Mm. Now Elmo had a really rotten end to his season, but yeah. two years, two years. Don't forget. I mean, all. Okay, was, it, if, if Elmo was fantastic for two years, then we can count Bowen on his two year, two fantastic years with City, because at least he hasn't had two years where he looked like he had I, I think shit. I think Elmo, even though his his time at City ended really poorly, no, I think Elmo's first two and a half years or so is worthy of including. I think you can construct an argument, but 
But Bowen's better. Jeremy. Two people in the centre of midfield. Are we putting Ashby in Ashby there? All three of us. Right. Who's we need a creator next to him? Is it? So Ashby. we're looking. We're looking at Bambi, Giovanni, Acocha, Huddleston. <sighs> Huddleston. Huddleston was funny because he had. There was times when he was pretty. He had to leave city. before I appreciated him. Can I just point out we didn't even mention Curtis Davis when it came to the centre backs as well. I love Curtis Davis, but I love Michael conversations Turner, Michael like this. Turner and James Chester's gorgeous. Mm. I knew somebody would come up with um, with uh, Jimmy well, Ballard, but he's going into all the, of he, you. He, fuck the fuck off. And keep <laughs> he's going. Off he's and going. And then when you're in Holland, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> he's going into the Iron Ball later on. Um, uh, uh, Giovanni Ocaccia. Uh, we're talking purely on 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 creativity and that sparkle, that showbiz, that extra. I think Giovanni was a pleasure to watch. In hindsight, oh, some of that's in hindsight. Ocaccia was great for a couple. Ocaccia didn't of games. stay long enough and didn't play enough games. Correct. I, I, I would rule him out for that reason. I'd have yeah, him on the bench. I'd have him on the bench just because he's JJ Ocaccia. You can't possibly have your your best. 11 or 16, 17 for the last 21 years and not include him just because he exists. Alright, so Davis is on the bench as well then. Right, so we need to s- we need to come up with a sub-keeper then later on. Um, so Clemens, my sure. my, <laughs> my so, instinct is to go for Giovanni alongside Ashby. Yeah. Okay, I, get, I get that, yeah. yeah. Okay, we need two centre-forwards. 4-4-2, four, four, you sick. Well, we've just done 4-4, four, four. alright then. Yeah, okay. Why not play Bambi behind a, an out-and-out striker then? You're Bambi. Well, um, so would we have? A- Are we having Bambi in three? All three of us Are behind. He played for no, us for seven know. years. He was the local boy, and he very rarely had a bad game. And ended up as our manager, and ended up as a pariah who everybody loves even more as a result. I don't know if I've always been a bit harsh on Bambi. I think I expected, for some reason, a little teeny tiny bit more when he came. And that's not to say he wasn't fantastic. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. <laughs> that's quite harsh. Are you, never, did he, you said that, I can say minutes. that about Josie Altidore by all means, but not Nick Bambi. He never played 90 minutes either. The one thing I'll say about Bambi is Bambi, Bambi Bummers. Oh, lovely. Bambi, I love that phrase. Bambi performed exactly <laughs> as I thought he would and should. Did he? Yeah, and and I don't I don't I can't mean, not have Bambi. I, I don't, well, we can. We can have him as a sub. And would you not put Bambi in the starting eleven? I love Nick Bambi, but so who are you putting it's in? Hard, whittling down fucking twenty-one yeah. years to eleven. Players. I just, I, I, so per, I, I think Bambi off the front, the front man. Yeah. It depends on whether you want to play two out-and-out strikers or one behind, like a Sheringham and a Shearer, or two proper centre forwards. <laughs> I've, I've got an idea for the for the out-and-out centre forward. Hernandez. And I'm not, it, sorry, Les. Um, just because I think he's the best goal scorer we've seen, natural goal scorer we've seen yeah, in the last twenty years, I'd go for Fryer. I think he's the best out and out. He wasn't a, a great player in other ways, but I think he's the best out and out goal scorer we've had. Tishani <laughs> Belaid. Someone's just suggested Martin Puzic as well. I would wow. go for Fryer and then play a creator behind him. Creator. Creator. Who are you, Michael Fast. No, I'm thinking of He-Man. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> I get the fry thing. I think I might go Hernandez, but then I can, I can, I can say I think you have to have Dino up front. Dino. No, because Dino wasn't. Uh, I wouldn't have Dino up front. Why would. would you not have Dino up front? Because because he can also merge into nineteen ninety. I find it very difficult to put together a best twenty, a, a best eleven of the last twenty one years that includes Dean Windus and doesn't include Nick Barnby when Dino was only back for a year and a half and Barnby did seven years and two promotions and and so on with us. I find that very very hard yeah, to justify. I think I'd go Dino. Okay. Dino scored important goals. He kept us up. He took us up at Wembley, and nobody's ever going to deny him that. Field? 
Gary Alexander was better than Laurie Dudfield. Oh, okay, I was being facetious. I know you were. Um, what are you looking at now? Is it time to go to the pub? Yes, yeah, no, time to go to the pub. All right. Well, we'll um, we'll move on. There's a few. There's a, one more thing I wanted well, we to mention. We have to choose a front two. Yeah, we'll choose a front two. I'm, well, I, 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 I thought you'd just done it. So. Oh, fair enough. Uh, no, I, think, I think Hernandez. I think I think he was Hernandez ahead of top, everybody. I think no, I mean, was, who's he playing ahead of on the pitch? Oh, sorry. Um, or playing alongside. That bit I'm not quite sure. Can we put Bambi there? Bambi, I think he's in. Why don't we move and Giovanni up so we can have one more in the field? Okay. What, yeah, Giovanni yeah, okay. and Bambi up front? Giovanni, no, Giovanni, no, Giovanni and, Hernandez. and Hernandez. And dropping Bambi? No, Bambi can put, play in Giovanni's midfield. So you're just swapping Bambi and Giovanni round? Yeah! Fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we want. No, you didn't make that happen. You didn't make that clear at all. Stop being a twat. Um, no! So... <laughs> Put some put some people on the bench. Then who's our sub keeper? What's uh, the I'm gonna go for McGregor there. No, go on the yeah, As long as he never has a free kick against. Him. Let's not bother with the outfield subs. I think we've done enough there. Right, pick us some players. Just a handful. Any players you like who need to be put into an iron ball and fired at the sun. Steve Melton. <laughs> of Mark, all the people anyway, I expected Mark you Joseph. say that. Mark Joseph. Any more? Yeah, well, should we talk about the Jimmy Bullard um, elephant in the room? Jimmy Bullard. But the hope was so huge. I remember being so excited. I remember watching um, Sky Sports News that night and thinking, "Oh my god, I hope he signs! Oh my god, I hope he signs!" And being uh, thinking that this could be the thing that elevates us to the very next level. Just being an England training squad, and he did for one month. Yeah, and then it turned out he was Jimmy Bullard. See the reason that we are bar. (laughs) <laughs> had, had, had toilets that went straight I'll tell you what I'll start about Jimmy Bullard when we get to pub okay we're not doing it now not doing it not going to broadcast it live alright well look I think we've come to a natural end here thank you for suggesting Ben Petty whoever that was um, we've got people to thank um, the I've, I've, we've between us mainly me unfortunately I've tried to put together a list of everybody who's been on the podcast to say thank you so thank you before I do that actually um, Les and Andy especially but all three of us uh, we need to mention Steve Broadbent, who's been the techie bloke on the Amber Nectar website since it started, and we'll, later. And we'll see him later on. And he, um, he, he, without him, all the shit that us and others have put online would never have gone online. Um, so in, in a way, it's his fault as well as down to him. So uh, we appreciate that, um, Steve, very much. Do you know what I miss? Do you remember the scoreboard we had on the original Yeah, I do. I love that scoreboard. Yeah, it was so futuristic, wasn't it? <laughs> What were the different um, ways of rating the manager we had down the years? Because we had the Parky meter, we had um, the uh, Bruce Almighty or Bruce Almighty. That was my. That was the only one. Of, that was the only one of my ideas for the front page that you two accepted, which was the Bruce Almighty I'm, one. I'm not inclined to accept your ideas, man. <laughs> um, making plans for Nigel is the current one, isn't it? Or making yeah. rating plans. Rating plans for Nigel. Nigel. Yeah. Um, what did we have for Nigel Pearson? PO points. PO points. Um, Phil, peer pressure? We had brownie points for Phil Brown, didn't we? Mm. Peter, did Peter Taylor have one? I think that could be the I think Taylor made or something I like think that. Phil no, Parkinson was the first one. Parkinson. Right. Phil Brown must have been the first one. Oh, Phil Parkinson Park- was before uh, Phil Brown. Well, wasn't I, 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 yeah. All right. Um, and what was the one you did for Slutsky, the Russian one? Slut shaming. <laughs> and I found like to PC. <laughs> <laughs> I, found, I found out the Russian fault still not asking for it <laughs> oh my god that was fun have we never been sued again um, one final question to you two before I go through this list of people Ooh. we need to thank actually that I'll just re- remember just, just briefly winning that thing that people can see now me pointing to on YouTube and on Periscope that that what that wasn't what 
Amber Nectar was all about, but the it, Football Supporters Federation Club Podcast of the Year 2017 for for, for audio only listeners. Um, that was alright, wasn't it? It was a great night, but it was ridiculous. In, it, it was insane. We were so convinced we weren't going to win. We were getting absolutely yeah. blathered and I mean, you embarrassing three bottles of champagne. Can I just point out? I was that Russian journalist. <laughs> I was the driver, so I wasn't getting blathered. These two, if you can imagine, the worst excesses of any pre-match, or in Leslie's case, the worst excesses of any post-match Who drink in the avenues after the final game of the season. Then you can double that because it was free. So they were necking it at some rate, and we didn't really know anybody apart from Ash Law. He was there, wasn't he? We didn't know anybody at all. We got put on a table with a load of journalists from The Independent, as I remember. And they they were really nice. We even liked the Leeds and Doncaster fans who were represented that evening. We actually got on with them quite well. Um, But yeah, winning that podcast and you going on stage to tell James Richardson that Leonard Slutsky looked like he'd just vomited a basketball. Uh, Well, Martin Tyler and Gary Neville are sat right in front of us. I love the fact that I got to two things. I got to... um, Give James Richardson a crap Nancy's football badge from his named counterpart James Richardson, and also talk to James Richardson about the fabled inter defence that was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Honestly, bollocks to the piece of metal and glass that we got. I got to talk to James Richardson <laughs> of Football Italia. And you get bad. and for our James Richardson, you gave him a crap nineties football badge as well. Indeed. Yes. Well, our JR didn't get any sleep that night I'm fairly certain um, right people to thank um, the alumni from Amber Nectar and other City fans that we've got to know down the years who've been on the podcast uh, Jim McVie James Richardson Chris Whiting Rick Skelton Tom Darvell yes Tom Darvell um, Dave Murray Mark Gretton he's good uh, <laughs> Mark Gretton made us laugh an awful lot um, Craig Bell uh, thank you to you guys for coming on to the podcast some more than others one or two came on once and we thought no not again um, but the rest of you thank you for coming on Gosh, fuck you up, man. Um, I said one or two those of those of who have been on more than once know that they're safe from that comment uh, thank you also to Jeff Bealby and Ryan Richardson for coming on regularly from the Hull City Supporters Trust and we haven't really mentioned the trust but the trust's um, um, well, formation from City glasses, which the, the, we should have started the, using I've, I've got my trust bad John tonight but the, Join the trust the, the trust's formation out of the ashes of City till we die was an important moment wasn't it they're welcome yeah of course uh, author types who we've got to know down the years who've come on because they've had something to plug Richard Yardham only a couple of weeks ago but of course he's been Officer Crabtree on it's great to have him on finally uh, indeed mm. uh, he's been Officer Crabtree on the forums forever and a long time contributor to Amber Nectar anyway Nick Quantrill and Ian Bunton came on to promote their products and be nice to us as well which was good um, thank you chaps Media Sorts Dave Burns who um, can't join us for a beer tonight because he's watching The Undertones in Leeds um, The Undertones no longer have Fagel Sharky singing for them which makes me think there's not a lot of going to watch the undertones but anyway that's where he is tonight Phil Buckingham's on Periscope tonight I saw him log in earlier uh, from the Hull Daily Mail and Simon Clark from from um, BBC uh, Look North and Radio Humberside as well and the ex-Tigers who've been on um, Justin Whittle um, Andy quite likes Justin Whittle uh, Mark Greaves Laurie Dudfield Adam Lothorpe and Brian Hughes if there's any podcast from our archive on SoundCloud that we would recommend or I would recommend that you listen to again it's the one that we did with Justin Whittle recently looking back at 20 years of The Great Escape and the 200th edition of the pod was it the 200th or some, the, the, the the end of seat whenever it was the, t- the, the podcast in the fairly recent past um, where Brian Hughes came in that wearing was, his Wembley shirt from 2008 really really good because to talk about the play after well, 10 he, years he revealed that Turner was uh, sorry no, not Turner Wayne, uh, Brown. Wayne Brown was massively hamstrung in that mm. game and he talked a bit talked about it as if we should all know it yeah. that you know 
that Brown shuffled the team to protect Wayne Brown because they felt he could still do a job against Adibola. And that was like one of the most revelationary things I've ever encountered. Yeah, yeah, just play that infinitely. It's on YouTube as well. It's it's always vaguely amazed me that former City players and indeed anyone with any kind of importance has wanted to come into your spare room, Les, and and, and, and chat to us. Mm. Um, I mean, Justin Whittle came and did the podcast with us. And only recently to talk about twenty years of the um, of the Great Escape. I do sort of slightly regret not asking more players to do stuff. We could have done it. I just think yeah. we tried we to get Ian Ashby a th- two or three times, and I, we nearly got Andy Dawson, who had to pull out a couple of days before because one of his kids was ill, which was unfortunate. Um, and he would have driven across the Humber to, to come to us without any problem at all. I know that much. Um, just a slightly serious question before we finish: Did City becoming successful? make Amber Nectar and fanzines as a whole less necessary because part of the reason why fanzines happen is because you've got to fight back against it's a strange thing because when we was in the Premier League we were never busier because you had all sorts of media outlets wanted to know what we think and mm. there was actually in some cases even prepared to pay for it even though we'd never sort of demanded that but I still feel that our output was never as good then as it was as when we were really shit you know I mean that's when you're articulate that's when you're funny that's when the gallows humour come out and some of Amber Nectar's best work came when whole city have been out the shittest and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that Andy yeah. any further to add? No I think that's absolutely right I think there is something about adversity oh, there's, some, there's something about things being not right at your club that um, drives people to want to talk about it the name change the bloody alums um, they all um for the most part, Unite City fans in wanting stuff to be sorted out. If, you, if you're winning most weeks and everything's going swimmingly, there's not really an awful lot to talk about, is there? I mean, it's, it's good, and I would always prefer City to be doing well, and I think it is possible to slightly fetishise the days when City were relentlessly shit, because it was relentlessly shit, and you can look back at it with rose-tinted glasses and think, wasn't it great when City was shit? No, it was shit, because City was shit, and we go to there, so they're not shit, and I'm going to stop saying shit in a second. <laughs> Are you? But, but for the most part, when City is shit, or there's something terrible going on, that's what really drives people, and it, it's what goes going. We City were dreadful when we started, and they look as though they're on their way back to to dreadfulness. To dreadfulness now, Shitivity. yeah. To 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 shitosity. So being methylated. Yeah, so I, I hope that isn't the case. I hope if that if City get truly mega baba that <laughs> someone someone springs up in our place ah, to the, talk the, about it. There's the annoyance, it's like when City were really shit, what it hammered home to you that being a football fan wasn't about the club being shit it was about the people you watched football Mm. with what being in the Premier League has shown us is that gets trashed in order to accept being successful you have to have be you move stadium so you don't get to sit near people you used to sit near or stand now you can do you don't get to stand anymore or you know the club come up with wacky ideas where if you want failing ideas such as concessions it means you have to move from the north to the east stand you know that the one thing that's been eroded by city's success is the social aspect and it's the social aspects which made Mm. going to city when they were shit great and probably what made if i dare say it amber nectar great at the beginning because 
that's what we appeal to that that sort of sense of dare I say it Andy whole city socialism you, you've, you've got <laughs> <laughs> no you don't not to Andy you've um, I mean you, you've got to look at you've got to react to what's around you don't you I mean yeah. you, you two guys got this together on the terraces at Boothbury Park when one of you said we need to put a fanzine together and the other one piped up oh, I'll help you um, and, and it kind of uh, went from there. I mean, you, you went on to become teletext writers. You got banned. <laughs> you got banned by the whole Daily Mail. Teletext writing, teletext. Was brilliant. And it, but it also, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh, teletext children, ask I, your parents. I can write an article that's three thousand words long, no problem, yeah. because I love describing shit. It's what I do. <laughs> and, 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 Eloquently you know, so. Sweary metaphors are my thing. <laughs> but when you have to condense it to less than a tweet. Yeah. But what was amazing was the way that we somehow formulated a rivalry with Hartlepool fans. <laughs> because when City beat 4-0, I used the term we'd made them paid for crimes against Simeonity. <laughs> and it, despite the fact that Hartley Paul's monkey based mascot was once the mayor of the town. Hartley Paul fans really yeah. got pissed off the fact that. And I'd they say, take it as a badge of honour as well. They really got pissed off by using the town crowns against Simianity. And they actually started this rivalry, <laughs> which, was, which was the most slow burning rivalry ever because you'd write something and they'd respond a week later and you wouldn't be able to respond yeah. for another seven days. It was oh, absolutely bad. It was, it was the anti Twitter. Can you talk? about getting banned by the whole Daily Mail no I can't because everyone who knows me knows that when I have a drink I need a piss so I'm off for a piss alright okay and live urination on the yeah. Amadexa podcast oh, well hurry up because we're going to say goodbye in a moment Andrew um, well you can talk about getting banned by the whole Daily Mail it was probably down to you anyway it's let's be honest it's the only time I've ever felt sorry for John Fieldhouse because I thought John Fieldhouse was an absolutely fucking appalling journalist he was not good at his job but he didn't deserve to get banned because of something I wrote and that was a bizarre, the entire thing was bizarre, so I'd written an article where I took the piss out of Matt Joseph because I thought Matt Joseph was shit and he should never have been putting City's team ahead of Justin Whittle Peter Taylor didn't like this and complained to Adam Pearson and Adam Pearson felt like he had to back his manager now we used to get accused on the Amberlector forums or on other message boards of bumming Adam Pearson but they might have thought differently if they'd have been a fly on the wall when I was in Adam Pearson's office and he's screaming at me telling me what a dickhead I am um, because who who am I to write that a player's a, a pub team player or there was a pub team moment and I said hang on a minute we don't decide the format of the article we're writing the whole Daily Mail. They tell us what they want. Mm. They tell us they want a pub team moment. They tell us they want a chant of the game. And that's ultimately what, what, he, um, what he took it. But yeah, I, 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 did, I did actually feel the need to apologise. Because some bloke from the old Daily Mail, I can't remember his name, Max, something or other, and he said, well... I've heard that you found it really funny that you've got the whole Daily Mail banned. And I went, yeah, it is really funny. Because it is, isn't it? The fact that me slagging off Matt Joseph is a green sports mail gets, gets fatty... Fatty, um, fatty Fieldhouse, you know, banned from the from the stadium is funny, but at the same time, I felt sorry for him because I never intended to make a man's day job difficult because I had an opinion. The the, the final topic I want to just bring up before we do finally bugger off to the pub. Um, October two thousand and six, City Andrew are drawn away at Watford in the League Cup. The three of us were there. We all had our. <laughs> the three of us were there. I drove. You two were in the car with me, along with Jim McVie. 
I had a Black Monday at the time. We drove down to uh, Watford to watch this, what was, let's be honest, an, an extremely um, meaningless cup tie. We'd started the season under Phil Parkinson very poorly and the League Cup was kind of pointless, really, at this stage. Um, and I think, in terms of the three of us witnessing the same event, it was possibly as definitive of Amber Nectar's existence than anything else. Would, would, you, like to, um, would you like to elaborate on what... what I happened. will. I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll slightly elaborate in Les's inability to. I know he's really enjoying this. Uh, um, <laughs> Already, somebody's just put the word attention with an exclamation mark on periscope. <laughs> We've gone through a phase. I, um, I did it. I, I think I disgraced myself at Leicester in two thousand and seven maybe same season with an entire bottle of whiskey uh, that was the same season because we were in Tony Dutton's van and you, you went into a, 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 a garden in Bruff to throw up anyway go on it happens um, I think I went through a Thursday thinking that whiskey at Wiggins was a really good idea and weirdly enough it transpired that it was a terrible idea and um, Les and I had shared an entire bottle of whiskey on the way down to Watford which is you know not f- it's not a close journey. It's not also necessarily requiring of an entire bottle of whiskey. But um, see, I was the driver, so I wasn't drinking. Jim, being the sensible guy that he is, just stuck to beer. But you two were sharing whiskey. The difference was is that you can drink whiskey to a, a reasonable extent that it doesn't affect you. Not unless I couldn't. If I no. mix drinks, it's paint stripper and bleach. It's a supernova of bad shit afterwards. Mm. All I can say is that um, you cuddled that bag of sick on the way home <laughs> as though it was your firstborn, yeah. and then Despite... flung it into Chan's head. Cemetery. <laughs> Wait till you got to... <laughs> I do remember. I remember saying to that woman that she had three chins and a black oh. baby, and I do remember her having neither. <laughs> I do remember you going into a into a, uh, a corner shop to try and use the cash point, and you were in there for twenty minutes because you were trying to put your card in upside down. You also started sending me text messages in French during the course of the night. Yeah, let's um, actually speak French to the best uh, of my knowledge. We you? got we what part- was I doing? Just reciting Jula taxi. I've, I've got no idea what you were trying Trailer to say, jacket. but it was definitely <laughs> French. Uh, you, we parked in a we parked on a, an industrial park where there were one or two offices that had security guards on and Les noticed a button that said attention and he just pressed it over and over again so this buzzing was going on the security office shouting I demand attention um, you remember that yeah, yeah. you didn't look at and the game the game um it only lasted 90 but minutes, didn't it? I never had kick and I never got to see we, it. We lost 2-1, but that was kind of incidental because you only looked up twice and it was too bright, so you put your face back down again. I've always had a lot Why of... did they put up with me? Why didn't they just chuck me out? I don't know. Why did they let you in? Why did they let me sleep on the seats, vomit, <laughs> clean up my vomit and let me go back to sleep on three yeah. tip seats? Bizarre. Mm. I, th- I like to think we've always done You're our not... part drinking at City and I think if there's anyone out there wondering, should I drink a lot of alcohol before City matches I would also say yeah do it. You, you knocked over a Enjoy table a full of more. drinks in the pub beforehand you interrupted one bloke's phone call to give him one of these palk badges you actually made him put the phone down so you could give him a badge and then he made the call again he, he had to interrupt the whole phone Why call you've just taken his hand away from his ear and taken the badge that's bad planning that's <laughs> it's bad planning very disappointing and I think that night will be the ultimate night that the three of us have had certainly when it comes to watching City um, 
together. Um, we, we, we've, we've been can to. I, we can't we pick a game I remember. Well, we, the point is that we remember it. That's all that matters. No, um, I mean, we've been to Europe, we've been to cup finals, we've been to playoff finals, we've won at Arsenal, we've won at Tottenham, but nothing quite becomes <laughs> the, ethos, the ethos of Amber Nectar than that night at Watford in October 2006. I enjoyed Cropper mm. shitting blood in Beijing. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, oh, did you really <gasps> enjoy? Is that the right word? Well, I've always enjoyed the description. Yeah, the Chinese look put it on a stick on a stick and made people eat it. Oh yeah, you could buy cockroaches. And, and on that note, can we? Do you think we should say um, a final farewell? Have you got any final comments to make to our to our beloved audience? It's ne- nearly sixty people have stuck with this shit wow. for the last hour and a quarter. I've got a few minutes of Q and A's. Anyone? Yeah, we will. We'll take questions as they were important enough to ask questions of. I'm going to have some snus, so... Rest in peace, Amber Nectar. Thank you. Les your sacked, according to Joe Atkinson. <laughs> Can I just say thank you to the people who've donated money? Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. money has been donated to keep the site online for quite a while, and you and I are going to sort of split some fees, but that, with the money we've been donated, means the site's going to be at least until February 2021. Who's the worst city Twitter fan, it so, says? Um, I wanted to ask that question before it disappeared off the screen. Dave Fergus. Dave Fergus. Is he real though, or is he just a he massive? He's real. He's just he's not lived in Hull for ages, and he's come back and he's full of shit. A final message to the Alums. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> How did mess. I know you were going to say that? Fucking sugar puff teeth cunts. <laughs> okay. What does the future hold for City? League Eight. I think we'll go down before we go back up. Let's. Man up boys and girls, and we'll drink our way through it. Yeah, let's lube our bum holes and let's go to Colchester again. Did you think that the KC was perfect when you when it first opened? The KC, the Kcom Stadium is a fine stadium. It's the better than average new stadium. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't actually look like many other stadium as well. It's beautiful, and there's not a bad atmosphere when everybody's yeah. on the same page. I would still give absolutely almost anything I have for one more afternoon in Kempton. Mm. But Granted. there we go. What's your favourite? away ground that isn't Wembley or in Europe I love or Peterborough Peterborough away I love that terrace Watchdale when the terrace down the side and you could run you could run with that, that auto run with the lines, <laughs> you remember when John Schofield went in goal for City we were running up and down with the ball I remember Degeneration X crotch chopping <laughs> Rochdale's fans because Steve Wilson saved a penalty in the Northern yeah. Area quarter final of the fucking auto windscreens thingamajiggy got my call <laughs> Absolutely, we are. Yeah. Anything else? The best moment in the Premier League. <sighs> Winning at Arsenal, presumably. Yeah, I think so. Because we didn't know what was what was to come. Then we were still fresh faced and new and unknown, and it was. We, we knew we'd create a bit of history, didn't we? I, the, I, it was probably that moment on the tube where, like, people were saying, "What was the score?" Like, Hull City won two one, and they went, "No, they didn't." It was like, "Oh, yes, they did." Mm. Cropper's just asked who's your favourite linesman oh that, that night at crew well it wasn't really a night was it because it was <laughs> what, August and it was broad daylight would you do safe standing well not Mr. the North Graham. stand anymore because that's going to get given away you might as well do it at the back of the East stand I think I'd the East stand what stand would you do safe standing in the East stand when it actually connected with each other was amazing wasn't it yeah I'd, I'd knock every single seat out of the East stand and have it there hmm? yeah cool <laughs> okay um, who's going to win the playoffs I'm not, that, I'm not that either of you I care, hope, but do you have a prediction for the playoffs? I hope it's Aston Villa. Part of me, yeah, part of me thinks I'd like West Brom to go up because they're the most likeable club. But, but then like you don't get to go to, to, the, go to Vine next I'd like season. To go to the Vine next year, and I love the Vine. Mm. So are we? Are we even anybody but Leeds? 
No, I'm no fuck Leeds. Well, I don't like Leeds. Kind of means the same thing. Fuck Leeds up the bum with crunchy peanut butter and with extra uh, with for extra roughness. Mm. Right. Okay. Fine. Anything else, boys and girls? Who's going to win the Champions League final? I hope Tottenham. Yeah, I hope Tottenham too. Because for the most damned Liverpool, Liverpool fans from Hull. Oh, here, we quite, here we go, here we go. We were about to finish. And should all be thrashed with broomsticks and then fucking poked in the eye with straws. Yes. Oh, here's some good ones. Who's, what's your favourite non-vine away pub? Boots and Laces at Torquay. Oh, I'd forgotten about the Boots and Laces. Well, you that's, were That's a fine pub. I can't remember what the name of the pub was in Watford where Les knocked the drinks over. Um, so you suggested the 12 pins? Basically? Yeah, the 12 Which pins. I think that might be the memories it holds rather than the quality of the pub. But yeah, I can I can, I can, can see that. And what about your favourite pre-match pub? Because let's face it, that's something we haven't talked about. We've done loads of... Di- we've had, we've had, we've gone into different sort of routines Tons. and habits down the years. Tons back in the days of Boothbury yeah. Park. But in, since the stadium was opened, we used to regularly go to... Um, we used to regularly go to the, the snooker club on Walton Street. We used to go to Halfway House. We used to go to Parkers. We used to go to Three Crowns. We used to go to... Um, Malt, I remember going to Malt Shovel a couple of times. Albert... I've Even the brickmakers. Actually, alighted upon a permanent solution. No, That's I a, see. I like going to pave, but if you want to watch a good football game and bet on it, you can't do that. Yeah, I like having news where we're going in a few minutes. But I liked halfway house for about six years and then it just lost it no. the weird one is is that we never went in the brickmakers even though that was I literally have. the nearest yeah. no we never went into it regularly even no, though that was literally the nearest to the stadium have you ever been any of those pubs further down on Libby Road towards the infirmary the ones on Coltman Street the ones that always had looked like they had Hull City colours deliberately put on now the Eagles always been that's the one over. yeah Eagles closed edges now right okay. in fact recently they painted it that yellow and then painted it gold again that way fuel Exeter by the fuel. river <laughs> Chris Whiting's gone for Botanic which he's very good at the moment yeah. I, do you know I like the Botanic apart from the fact that all of the beer shit mm. <laughs> shittest I, place for a beer problem. away from home shittest place for a beer away from home Tottenham that's dreadful oh yeah you've got to walk for miles to find a bar haven't you yeah. early doors in Mansfield isn't good <sighs> Mansfield is that, is that, isn't good is that is that a memory of the game that followed it though if we're going back to the yeah, opening day of 97, no, 98 I can, I can, I'm, I'm grown up enough to split the two Matthew alright <laughs> fair enough Tiger's Lair right. yeah fuck Tiger's Lair gents <laughs> Les first final word to our periscopies and everybody listening to this and to everybody who's been associated with Amber Nectar it's been 21 years of methylation <laughs> stay methylated Andy you're going to be slightly more profound no I don't think I really want to be I think I just want to say th- thank you if you've been any part of it if you've been, if you've listened to us swarm with us drunk, drunk with us or had any part to do with it or even if you just watch us every now and then on the on the podcast it's been absolutely bloody brilliant fun every moment of it from what it's worth and I'd like to thank you two guys for adopting me in the nicest possible way because I wasn't there from the beginning I, I turned up on the forums in about 2001 something like that so adopting me um, uh, as part of the Amber Nectar uh, team and I've only got one further thing to say and that's Alan out.
listening to the Amber Nectar podcast. For more discussion on these topics, go to ambernectar.org, where you'll also find match reports, other articles, and our ever-lively forums. You can also follow us on Twitter at Amber Nectar Hull. The music was by Fila Brasilia. Yeah.